take your Bibles and find 2 Samuel chapter 19. 2 Samuel chapter 19, going to read verses uh, uh, 8 through 15 today. And we'll be looking at some other passages as well. But we're glad you're here today. I believe the Lord has brought you here for a purpose. We're glad that you are here. We know that the Lord has something in store for us. And uh, we appreciate you being here today. We're continuing our series, coming toward the conclusion of our series of messages. Many, much more could be said about David and what's being done here. And today I want to, I want you to be, be ready. We're preparing our hearts and the Lord's prepared it for us this time, for us, our time together. And uh, we're going to be kind of summarizing, look at different verses in several chapters today to lead to where we're going here. And so, uh, and to what we'll be reading about the return of David as he comes back to Jerusalem after being uh, not the ruler, not the king of Israel uh, for a short while. And uh, so we're going to read about that, learn some lessons. And I believe, I believe if you'll pay attention today that the Lord may have something special in mind for each of us here today as we have come and gathered together. Uh, I, we have our college students are on retreat this weekend. Many of them left on Friday. They're coming back sometime today, having worship and study this morning. And they may have already had that, but uh, they may be tuning in. Who knows? We'll wave at them just in case. But, uh, but I told them we'd pray for them. So I'm going to pray. I have prayed for them this morning. And, uh, but I'd like for you to pray for them too. Certainly safety and uh, impact that the weekend has had on our college ministry. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you now knowing that uh, you already are at work and have been at work in the lives of our uh, college students. We thank you, Father, for the retreat they've been able to have this weekend, how well that has gone. Time this morning as they travel back today, we pray for safety. Do pray for the impact upon their lives. And as it has impact upon our church, as every time someone draws close to you. We know that it has a great influence and impact on all those who are gathered around. We know that's happening even now. So Father, we pray for them today and pray that you'll be with them as they come back, implement the things that they learned and have talked about even this weekend. And Father, I pray and continue to pray. Thank you for this worship service. Thank you, Father, for the time that we have come already, our opportunity to lift up praise to you. We know that you have heard our praise and that you are well pleased. Thank you that we know that you hear our prayers as well. Now, Father, we pray that uh, you will take away any distractions, anything that would keep us from listening to what you would have to say to us. Remove me out of the equation, Lord, and may it only be your word that is seen, the message that you have for today as well. And we thank you for this opportunity that we have to be able to hear from you. It is, now, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This we pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. We are in 2 Samuel chapter 19 and uh, going to be reading verses 8 through 15. We're going to come back to these verses here in a few moments as well. So keep your Bibles open or smartphone on or whatever you need to do. This now is the word of the Lord. Then the king arose and took his seat in the gate. And the people were all told, Behold, the king is sitting in the gate. And all the people came before the king. Now Israel had fled every man to his own home. And all the people were arguing throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, The king delivered us from the hand of our enemies and saved us from the hand of the Philistines. And now he has fled out of the land from Absalom. But Absalom, whom we anointed over us, is dead in battle. Now, therefore, why do you say nothing about bringing the king back? And King David sent his message to Zadok and Abiathar the priest. Say to the elders of Judah, why should you be the last to bring the king back to his house? When the word of all Israel has come to the king, you are my brothers, you are my bone and my flesh. Why then should you be the last 
to bring back the king and say to Amasa, are you not my bone and my flesh? God do so to me. And more also, if you are not commander of my army from now on in place of Joab, then he swayed the heart of all the men of Judah as one man. And so they sent word to the king, return both you and all your servants. So the king came back to the Jordan and Judah came to Gilgal to meet the king and to bring the king over the Jordan. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today. U.S. News and World Report has said that millions of dollars are lost by people who have lottery tickets who do not turn them in. Either they bought lottery tickets and they have lost them, forgot to turn them in, or turned them in too late. Actually, I heard a story of one man, $25 million was the ticket and had not been turned in. He thought he would check his tickets. Obviously, he had lots of tickets. He found the ticket and brought in the very last hour in order to turn in his lottery tickets. Now, you need to know that this is for illustration purposes only. I hope that you are not buying lottery tickets. As a matter of fact, I wrote a sermon sometime back. It was called Liars, Losers, and the Lottery. I get asked from time to time. It hadn't happened yet, but people ask me, Brother Jeff, if I win the lottery, can I still tithe to the church? And I say, well, when it comes to tithes and offerings, we go by don't ask, don't tell, don't lie policy. And uh, besides, the devil's had it long enough anyway. But we know we have something even better than a lottery ticket. For illustration purposes only, we know that we have, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it is a ticket to heaven. It is salvation provided much better than anything that this world has to offer. We understand that along comes with that is an opportunity to be able to follow the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as well. We know that the ticket that is offered by Jesus, while it is free to all those who receive, it did cost the Son of God His sacrifice on the cross. But it's a free gift to all who believe and place their faith in Jesus. In fact, if you're here today and if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or listening today, I've Perhaps even through this Old Testament passage, though we will talk about the cross and the New Testament as well, that you will want to be sure that you have the greatest gift ever given, the gift offered that is free to you. But that's not all. Because for all those who are in Christ, not only are you promised a home in heaven, you're given the opportunity to be able to have a journey and a walk and a growing relationship with Jesus himself. And an opportunity to be able to serve him and to get in on kingdom business and be a part of a growing kingdom. Listen to what was said or written in the gospel of Mark chapter 1 verses 14 and 15. that says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Notice that phrase, the kingdom of God is at hand. I want you to see the moments in history, even the Old Testament moments in the parts that we're talking about, but know that always that the moments in history were always moving forward. In the Old Testament, it was moving forward to look for a time of the birth of a Savior that would be born. And Jesus came in declaring that the kingdom of God is now at hand. And now today, history still moving forward, looking to the time of Christ's return and offering something better than a lottery ticket to the lost world and then even more allowing you and I to take part in God's great work. Thus, it is my prayer and my desire that you want to be a part of what God is doing today. On a world stage, God is using the events that are happening today, though sometimes they may seem 
tragic and even confusing. We know that the Lord is using all events to prepare the world for the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and so that the lost world might be saved. In fact, I want you to see God at work in, on your stage, on an individual stage that God is at work. All the things that are happening around you, the things that are important to you, the things that are happening today that the Lord is using so that you might become more like Jesus and so that you might influence even more people to have a growing relationship with Jesus and to be serving Him. He wants to work in you. He wants to work through you so that you might be the hands and the feet and the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, does that sound like something that you want to be a part of? The title of this sermon, first the title of our messages on David have been called He's Still King, referring to the Lord Jesus Christ is still king. The title to the message today is He's Still King. I didn't really just run out of titles. I actually wanted it to be an emphasis here because here was David. Seems to have lost his throne for a short time after a rebellion orchestrated by his son Absalom. And so we, we've read in 2 Samuel 19, David's making his way back to Jerusalem to take his proper place as the king of Israel. And this chapter declares David's still king of Israel as God intended. There may be times in the world we live today, maybe more so than any other time in history, it may seem like somebody else is in charge. After all, Satan is even called the prince of this world. But this chapter declares in all of God's word, Old Testament and New Testament, that Jesus, the almighty God and Savior, he is still king. Now we've talked in this series of messages about overcoming your giants. And so we've talked about overcoming Fear and anxiety and worry and depression and grief and even addiction. Last week we talked about how to thrive in a dysfunctional family. But if we want to be able to overcome our giants and we're kind of, kind of wrapping some things up here in the next couple of weeks as we come to the conclusion, we got to, we'll have to recognize to overcome our giants, it is because of who Jesus is in our hearts and he will need to be king and Lord of your life. Now if you're a child of the king, he saved you from your sins. He's promised you eternal life. And for Jesus to be the Lord and the King of your life, to be a part of kingdom work, we know, recognize we need to seek Him daily. So today, whether you've drifted away in your fellowship with Jesus or you've stayed the course, may today you be able to declare He is still King. King of my heart and King of my life. Come with me on a journey for these next few minutes together. And as David leaves Jerusalem for a time and he crosses the Jordan River with his loyal regime and as they hide out and then put together a battle plan to combat the uprising. They're victorious with the Lord's help. Then David makes his way back across the Jordan to the land of Judah on his way to Jerusalem. Now on our journey, we're going to come across a, some people that David comes across with and some of his interactions. And we're going to keep a close eye on David and thankfully learn from David's, in many of the ways David, God is still using him as his servant. Now, while David's sins and his missteps are not an excuse for justification for our sins, we are to learn to be thankful that even though, even when we fail our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he forgives and puts us on the right track and still uses in his good work. We'll encounter some other Bible characters along the way, some not so well known, some you may have read or heard before, but we'll watch David's interaction and king-like, if not Christ-like responses. 
What I find interesting, and I hope that you will too in these next few minutes, and I want you to try really hard to be interested in all of this, and that is that some of the people that David runs across or has interaction with as he's leaving Jerusalem and Judea and crosses and then prepares for a battle because will be the, some of the same people. He'll see some of the same people as he makes his way back across the journey. And he's triumphant. So here's our thing. You've got your notes. Hopefully follow along. When King Jesus rules in your heart, what will that really look like? I mean, if Jesus were really the King and the Lord of your life and every day of your life, will hopefully from this Old Testament passage, we'll be able to determine maybe a little bit closer what that looks like. So let's begin the journey. David's in Jerusalem. He is the king of all Israel. His son Absalom is plotting to take over the kingdom. But Absalom's not waiting for his dad to kick the bucket. No, he's the ultimate politician, which may seem appropriate for us as we come close to these midterm elections. But listen to how he's going to get this done. Let's read from 2 Samuel chapter 15. I think they'll be on the screen. We'll read verses 1 through 6. After this, Absalom got himself a chariot and horses and 50 men to run before him. Sounds like a good commercial. And Absalom used to rise early and stand beside the way of the gate. When any man had a dispute to come before the king for judgment, Absalom would call to him and say, From what city are you? And when he said, Your servant is of such and such a tribe in Israel, Absalom would say to him, See, your claims are good and right, but there's no man designated by the king to hear you. And Absalom would say, Oh, that I were judge in the land, then every man with a dispute or a cause might come to me, and I would give him justice. Whenever a man came near to pay homage to him, he would put out his hand and take his hold of him and kiss him. And then Absalom did all did to all of Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. It wasn't that long ago in which David, of course, could not do anything wrong according to Israel. But now their hearts are fickle as you see. And Absalom looked the part. He's called in another passage one of the, the most handsome man in all of Israel. They don't say how tall he is or what he looked like, but they did make a big deal about his hair. In fact, in, uh, verse, in chapter 14, we won't read that, but the writer makes, says that he gets his hair cut once a year and that his hair would weigh about five pounds or more. Now, hair must not weigh much, so it takes a lot of hair in order to get five pounds of hair, long flowing hair. In fact, if you're reading along and you've never read this before, you come to chapter 14 and say, why are they making such a deep, big deal about Absalom's hair? And then by the time you get to chapter 18 of 2 Samuel, you recognize why. Because Absalom's long flowing hair gets caught in the oak tree when he's fleeing from David. And he's suspended in midair, which leads him to his demise. Now when David is told Absalom has stolen the hearts of Israel, he must have suspected such because he gathers all of his household and all who are loyal to him in Jerusalem to leave Jerusalem and Judea. David... King, the great warrior, has now become David in flight. i got to tell you, David doesn't seem to be fearful. He doesn't seem to be a coward at all. But surely he didn't want to cause the death of his own son, Absalom, who was rebelling. Or, and it says, actually, in the Scripture, he did not want there to bring sword to Jerusalem. So no bloodshed in Jerusalem. And David and all those Lord to him flee Jerusalem. Now I want you to picture this. We're on the journey with these folks. There are thousands that are following David. It's not just a few people because later they're going to divide into battle into thousands and the hundreds and go off into battle. But nevertheless, they are fleeing Jerusalem as they go. 
And as they come across the Kidron Valley and the Mount of Olives, they're going to go north of the Dead Sea, cross the Jordan. But around, between the Kidron Valley and the Mount of Olives, somewhere David stops and all of the people pass that are loyal to him, making their way outside of Judea as they're going. And David runs across some of these people as they, as they pass. And David then rallies the troops who are with him once they get to where they're going. They devise a battle plan against Absalom's men. There's a short-lived civil war. A couple of things you need to pay attention to in order to the lessons I think the Lord has us is, is pay attention to David's words. 2 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 5. These were the last words of David to his men before they go and leave for battle. And it says this, And the king ordered Joab and Abishai and Ittai, this is his three generals, deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave orders to all the commanders about Absalom. Now, those of you who are students of the Bible, did David and his men ever lose a battle? They never did. And Absalom, his son, probably should have known this very thing. Keep in mind, this is a civil war. David is regretfully fighting his fellow Israelites. The Bible says that 20,000 men fell that day or the days of the battle. The Bible records more were devoured by the forest than by the sword, showing God gave the victory and not as many had to fight their own brethren. However, when Absalom came across David's men, he fled, and now we know why such a big deal told about his hair. Not on the screen, but verse 9, 2 Samuel 18 and verse 9 says, And Absalom happened to meet the servants of David. Absalom was riding on his mule, and the mule went under the thick branches of the great oak, and his head caught in the oak, and he was suspended between heaven and earth while the mule that was under him went on. He suspended in air. He was alive at the time. The soldier who saw what happened went and told Joab, the commander of the armies. And Joab said, well, why didn't you kill him? He's the enemies. He's the enemy of the king. And the soldier responded. In fact, he said, I would have given you great wealth. He said, it wouldn't matter how much you'd given me. He said, I was not going to kill the son of the king, especially after what David had said to him. Uh, Joab, David's general, came and found Absalom hanging suspended in the tree, and he struck him dead. When word came to the king for the victory, his question was about Absalom. As soon as he heard victory in the battle, but his question about Absalom when he received the news of a second son's death, the Bible says he grieved deeply. In fact, verse 33 tells us, And the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he wept, and as he went, he said, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would I had died instead of you, O oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Now, some of you may have lost a loved one, even a child or a Spouse, you can understand his grief. What normally would have been a day of rejoicing and victory over the battle that had been won that the Lord had provided victory instead became a day of mourning. The Bible, the Bible says that all the people went back into the city as if they had lost rather than as if they had won the battle. The people could continue to hear King David crying, Oh, Absalom, my son, Absalom, my son, my son. His grief was understandable Yet his grief caused him to lose focus on the mission that God had for him. Joab, David's commander and general, boldly confronted David. 
We're back in 2 Samuel verse 9, chapter 19, verses 6, 5, 6, and 7 says this. Verse 5 tells us, Then Joab came into the house to the king and said, You have today covered with shame the faces of all your servants, who have this day saved your life and the lives of your sons and your daughters and the lives of your wives and your concubines. Because you love those who hate you and hate those who love you, for you've made it clear today that commanders and servants are nothing to you. For today I know that if Absalom were alive and all of us were dead today, then you would be pleased. Now therefore arise, go out and speak kindly to your servants, for I swear by the Lord if you do not go, not a man will stay with you this night. And this will be worse for you than all the evil that has come upon you from your youth until now. Bold words from the commander of David's army. But the Bible says, we read it a moment ago, David rose, he went to the gate, and all the people came to see him. Here's why we've talked about this and given this long introduction to this very first one. But if the Lord Jesus rules in your heart, what would that look like? When King Jesus rules in your heart, it'll look like this. Or you will follow this. Don't get distracted. Keep your focus on his kingdom. Don't get distracted. Keep your focus on... On his kingdom. Seems like that sounds familiar somewhere. We've heard that something like that before. Maybe it was Jesus who said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. How easy it is to get distracted, take our focus off the missions. Sometimes it's the cares of this world, the things of this world, that cause us to get distracted from focusing on God's mission. Sometimes it's simply trying to get ahead, working hard to do what we need to do to get ahead or to get by. Sometimes it's when things are not going well. Things are bad and we're focusing on what's happening that's bad in this world and your life instead of keeping our focus on the... Sometimes it's on because things are going well or going good that we think, well, maybe we don't need God as much or maybe we just forget. I I feel like as a church, we need to be sure that we're being careful that we're working to stay focused on the mission of reaching people for Christ because... You know, we look back over the past few years and even through the pandemic and before, a lot of the good things have been happening at Parkway Baptist Church. And sometimes when you achieve things, see the Lord give success or maybe even reach some goals that the Lord has set, sometimes you then can be distracted. So let's even be more diligent to continue in prayer and discipleship, focus on God's Word, missions and evangelism. Let's not lose focus. Still, It's hard to be critical of the way in which David grieves. Everyone grieves differently. It's hard to tell somebody they're not doing it right. You're grieving too much. But we often find we cannot help how we feel. But we can control or we can decide what we're going to do with our emotions or our feelings. And we know that we can bring them to the Lord Jesus. The Apostle Paul wrote to the believers in Thessalonica and said, This This familiar phrase or verse... We grieve, all of us grieve, but not as those who have no hope, those who have faith in Jesus. And when Christ is on the throne of a heart, He helps us not to lose focus on kingdom work, but instead to seek His righteousness. If if you find yourself distracted today from seeking to serve and grow in Jesus, well, maybe this will help. Think of all your priorities today. Certainly we believe that Jesus ought to be top priority. He ought to be most important. It's really more biblical to say it like this. Jesus ought to be the only priority. Or maybe think of it like this. So think of all those things that are important to you, your priorities, or even things that you must do and 
Some of us make lists, I guess. Here's the important thing I've got to do. But instead of thinking of it as linear, one right after the other, think of it as, well, you know, think of it as circular. There's a circle. You put everything that's important, even all the things that you've got to do. But right in the center, there is a throne. And if you put Jesus on the throne, then all of these things will find where they need to be. They'll all be in the right place at the right time. We'll be focusing on them as we should. And if you, if you, need, to put, you need to put Jesus on the throne, something that you need to do daily, because if not, there'll be something on that throne. If there's not something on that throne, and if there's not Jesus on the throne, throne of your heart, throne of everything that's important, then it's going to be you. Or me, how tragic it is when we are on the center and the throne of our heart and then all we have are selfish motives and all we are seeking to serve self. Only King Jesus can keep us focused on the right stuff. We know the nation has become divided. It appears many who are in Jerusalem had stayed loyal to David. The nation already had seen division. There's northern kingdom and there's a southern kingdom. Northern kingdom is referred to as Israel. Southern kingdom is referred to as Judah. Thus there's division. But hear me here. Judah itself became a divided people. Because both David and Absalom, father and son, both being from the tribe of Judah. Just to keep more in perspective, who else is from? Jesus is from the tribe, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Keeping this in mind, let's read those verses again that we read earlier. Verse 9, 2 Samuel chapter 19 and verse 9. To where it says, All the people were arguing throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, The king delivered us from the hand of our enemies and saved us from the hand of the Philistines, and now he's fled out of the land of Absalom. The northern kingdom is called Israel. They're the ones that are uh, arguing about what needs to take place. But Absalom, verse 10, but Absalom, whom we anointed over us, is dead in battle. Now, therefore, why do you say nothing about bringing the king back? So they're deciding, do we bring David back as king? Now that Absalom, we were, we followed David, then we followed Absalom, now we're going. So they're kind of arguing about what's going to take place here. Anybody keeping up with the prime minister of Britain that was there for six weeks and now they're talking about bringing the other prime minister back? Has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but it seems familiar. Verse 11 and 12 says this, And King David sent this message to Zadok and Abiathar the priest. Say to the elders of Judah, his tribe, southern kingdom, said, Say this, Why should you be the last to bring the king back to the house? And the word of Israel has come to the king. You are my brothers. You are my bone and my flesh. Why then should you be the last to bring back the king? So David's... Uh, Set is to unite the kingdom, the southern kingdom of Judah again, and then the northern kingdom will follow. Verse 12 says, excuse me, verse 13, and say to Amasa, are you not my bone and my flesh? God do so to me, and more also if you're not commander of my army from now on in the place of Joab. Joab was the commander of David's army. Why do you think Joab would no longer be the commander of David's army? He killed his son. So he's bringing Amasa. Amasa was the commander of Absalom's army. All of them from the tribe of Judah. In this one fell swoop, he brings back and unites Judah to rally around him. Verse 14 reads, And he swayed the heart of all the men of Judah as one man. And so they sent word to the king, Return both you and all your servants 
So the king came back to the Jordan and Judah came to Gilgal to meet the king and to bring the king over the, over the Jordan. So we're journeying today with David as he leaves Jerusalem as he returns. And I tell you these things for a purpose. That if you're going to have Jesus as the king, Lord of your heart, you serve a God of new beginnings. You serve a God of new beginnings. David was uniting the kingdom and beginning again. We serve a God of new beginnings. Every time we come together for worship, it's a time for a new beginning. Every day is a time for a new beginning. New Year's, Christmas, Easter, all of these things. The Lord is saying start afresh and anew. Hopefully not circular to where we do the same things over again, but not making the same mistakes, but growing in the Lord, becoming more Christ-like. Do you, do you need a new beginning today? Well, be assertive in asking the Lord to breathe into you a breath of fresh air into your day. Remove the obstacles in your life and in your heart that would cause you not to grow in Christ, not to allow Jesus to be the King and Lord of your heart. And then add those things that need to be added so that Jesus might remain King or become King once again in your heart. Such things such as daily prayer and confession, spending time in God's Word. Do you have people who are feeding into you that you do in life together as well, like a Sunday school class or discipleship? How about start a new ministry or begin again the ministry that you have or continue on, particularly maybe in that ministry. Ask yourself, if Jesus were truly on the throne of my heart, what would my life look like? What steps would I take to make that happen? Because chances are there's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom kind of thing happening in you, particularly if you're a child of God because you've accepted Jesus as your Savior and Lord. He's, the Holy Spirit's living in you and you're seeking, you're thinking, I, I want to please God. I want to do all those things. I want Jesus to reign in my heart and my life. But at the same time, there's that old selfish nature continues to linger. In fact, who wants to take charge of your life? You need to take the necessary steps to start afresh and with single-minded determination with the Lord's help, submit all to Him. Here's a heads up. It's something that you're going to need to do often. On a regular basis, keep your heart in check. On our journey with David, while he's leaving Jerusalem, before the battle of the death of his son, he encounters a myriad of different reactions of people. Most are his supporters, but not all. One was not his supporter, was a fellow by the name of Shammai. Shammai was from the house of Saul, probably an extended family member. Watch the reaction of Shammai to David as he leaves Jerusalem, 2 Samuel chapter 16, verses 6 through 8. It says, and he threw stones at David. We're on this journey, we're watching. In fact, we might need to duck somewhere here because he threw stones at David and all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And Shemai said, as he cursed, get out, get out, you man of blood, you worthless man. The Lord has avenged on you all the blood of the house of, his, of Saul in whose place you have reigned, and the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. See, your evil is on you, for you are a man of blood. We find in this particular passage, of course, the man who continues, Shammai, continued to throw rocks at David and all those who were following him. And uh, as they did, one of David's men said to David, uh, you know, if you give me the word, I'll go chop off his head. Exactly what he said. I'm just that's what the scripture says. Well, uh, said you know I could do it real easy, uh, but David stopped him and said, "Maybe the Lord told him to do this." 
Besides, my own son's out to get me. This is kind of small potatoes, my words, of course. And perhaps if what he's doing wrong, maybe the Lord will repay me good for evil. I want you to see David and showing even more faith in his words and actions, submitting to God and wanting to do more that's pleasing to God and not just himself. Shammai continued to follow David and his people cursing and throwing rocks. I'm not sure everybody will get this, but for a long time, I thought of Shammai as the earnest he bass of the Old Testament. One or two of you see that? Good. That's why, that was while David was leaving Jerusalem. But after the battle was over, after the death of Absalom, after David returning, since you and I were invited to come along on the journey, look who we see on the return trip. 2 Samuel chapter 19. Verses 18 through 20 says, Then they crossed the ford to bring over the king's household and to do his pleasure. Who shows up? Shammai, the son of Gera, fell down before the king as he was about to cross the Jordan and said to the king, Let not my lord hold me guilty or remember how your servant did wrong on the day my lord the king left Jerusalem. Don't let the king take it to heart. For your servant knows that I have sinned. Therefore, behold, I have come this day, the first of all the house of Joseph, to come down to meet my Lord, the King. Well, now the tables have turned. Shammai singing a different tune. The same soldier of David who wanted to chop off his head earlier, he says, he said, looks at David, why are you letting this guy live? He's cursed you. Now you're the king of all Israel and Judah again. And David declares, no one will die this day in Israel. And he said, because I am the king. He looked at Shammai and he said, you will not die. And he gave him his word. Shammai came looking for forgiveness. His motives may have been simply to save his own neck. And David forgave him. When you came to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your motives for that may have been more self-directed than God glorifying. Because people come to Jesus all the time. They believe in Jesus that he is the Son of God, died on the cross and rose again. And they come and accept Jesus and ask Him to forgive of their sins, sometimes simply because they don't want to go to hell. Or sometimes people's lives are in shambles and they know they need something different. They recognize that Jesus is the only answer and they want to change and they want a difference. And so they ask Jesus to forgive them and ask Jesus to be saved. And Lord, you know those people who come with those kind of motives and ask Jesus to forgive them? You know what Jesus does? He forgives them and He gives new life. You see, for most of us, we're still growing and learning that it's not about us, but it's about glorifying God. We've received grace when we did not deserve it. So here it is. What does life look like when Jesus is on the throne of your heart? You let grace be your guide. Let grace be your guide. It, it seems to me there are maybe even a majority of genuine Christians who are living today who, are, who have experienced grace, but they have forgot to extend it to others. Let's remember who we belong to. And if we're going to err or make a blunder, let it be on the side of grace. Now, some other people are going to meet in just the last few minutes we've got together. Two of those are Zeba and Mephibosheth. Feel free to say those as long as you want. Mephibosheth, we have talked about before. He's the grandson of King Saul, son of Jonathan. He's lame in both feet. David has invited him to come and eat at the king's table to be treated as his son. He is fulfilling a covenant and a promise that he had made to his father, Jonathan. He's also given all the land that had belonged to King Saul. And he has a servant who is to care for that land. That servant's name is Ziba. 
When David left Jerusalem, Ziba the servant showed up with some supplies, but no Mephibosheth. When David asked Ziba, where is Mephibosheth? He said, Mephibosheth believes that he's going to get the kingdom back. 2 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 3. It says, and the king said, where is your master's son? Ziba said to the king, behold, he, he remains in Jerusalem. For he said, today the house of Israel will give me back the kingdom of my father. On the spot, David gave Ziba all the land that had belonged to Mephibosheth or to his grandfather Saul. That was chapter 16. But now when David's returning to Jerusalem in chapter 19, is everybody still following? You hanging in? Look what happened. Mephibosheth meets David at the Jordan River. The Bible says he's not taking care of his feet. He's not shaved. He's not changed or washed his clothes since David has left Jerusalem as an indication of his loyalty to David. These were usually signs of mourning. And being lame in both feet, he's made his way. He either had to have some help or it would have taken him a long time to get from Jerusalem to the Jordan River to wait upon David. And David asked Mephibosheth, well, why did you not go with him when he left? Listen to his answer. 2 Samuel 19. Aren't you glad for big screens we can go to this quickly? Verse 26. He answered, O Lord, my, o, my Lord, O King, my servant deceived me. Meaning Ziba. For your servant said to him, I will saddle a donkey for myself that I may ride on it and go with the king for your servant is lame. In other words, Ziba left him. He didn't choose to stay in Jerusalem. He was going to stay with David. But one thing is for sure, somebody's fibbing. Who's David to believe? Well, David did a Solomon-like decision on the spot. And he said to him, Mephibosheth, you'll get half the land back, and Ziba, you'll be able to keep the other half of the land. Maybe all along, David was just waiting for the response that would come next so that he might know who was telling the truth. 2 Samuel chapter 19, verse 30 says this, And Mephibosheth said to the king, Oh, let him take it all. Since my lord the king has come safely home. Mephibosheth wasn't concerned about the land or what the king could do for him, but only that the king was safe and that he would be back. Mephibosheth did everything he could to show his loyalty to the king. He was hindered from doing some things. By not shaving or changing clothes, he showed his love for the king and perhaps... He had to start preparing early to leave from Jerusalem to be at the Jordan when the king returned, maybe even before the battle was over. But he showed that his faith in knowing that the king would still return. Oh, don't you see something there? The events revealed to us that if King Jesus were on the throne of our heart, this truth would become evident. Genuine faith leads to greater faithfulness. Genuine faith leads to greater faithfulness. Faith is revealed not so much by saying that I have faith, but faith is revealed by our actions. We show our faith in the Lord Jesus by following Him even more closely. And in fact, Jesus said, the New Testament tells us, how will they know that you are my disciples? How will they know that you love? It is one, by how you love others, but also by how you follow my commandments. I want to introduce you to one more man that he came across. One more man. His name is an older man that... Uh, uh, David comes across, and his name is Barzillai. Barzillai. I know it sounds more like he's the cousin of Godzilla, but, uh, but he's not. But uh, he's an older gentleman 
who helped David along the way as he was leaving Jerusalem, and now he's there to escort David back. He's 80 years old. But listen to the description, 2 Samuel 19, verses 20, 32, and 33. Barzillai was a very aged man, 80 years old. Told you, he He had provided the king with food while he stayed at Manaheim, for he was a very wealthy man. And the king said to Barzillai, Come over with me, and I will provide for you with me in Jerusalem. Barzillai reminds me of some of our senior adults here at our church because of their graciousness and their generosity and the great example that they set for us. David offers for him because of how good he had been to David. He said, come with me over to Jerusalem. I'll take care of you in your later years in life. But Barzilla politely declines and said, I'll, I'll stay where the Lord has me in the city in which he has me and I'll die where my family is. And, but he's there to escort the king with a loyalty that is undenied. It, it's nice to see come across Someone who comes with such pure motives, not thinking, what can I get from the king, but simply wanting the best for God's anointed. Listen to me. Jesus is always going to be your Savior if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Heaven's always going to be there. But I want you to imagine what life might be like if you decide, I'm going to be sure that Jesus is the king of my heart, and I'm going to follow him and submit to him the best I can every day. Listen to, the, listen to the things that might happen. James chapter 5 and verse 16 says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The psalmist told us this in Psalm 37, 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Meaning if you delight yourself, you know what delight yourself in the Lord? It's another way of saying, I want to be sure that King Jesus is on the throne of my heart. Because when you delight yourself in the Lord... Your desires will change. Your actions will change. Your words will change. And then the things that you ask for will be in line with what the Lord would have for you as well. So, so here it is. If you're going to make King Jesus Lord of your life, King of your heart, you will be continuing with God's course for you, which leads to consistency in your journey. Continuing with God's course for you leads to consistency in your journey. God has a course. He has a plan. He's got a journey for you to follow. There will be valleys and peaks. There will be ups and downs, times of rejoicing, times of mourning. But regardless of what you face today or tomorrow or in the future, you can know that you're character, the character of the Lord Jesus Christ will be revealed in you instead and you will continue with a, which I think is what we really we'd like to have a more consistent walk with the Lord Jesus and if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior and Lord you've never come into the family of God or maybe you don't know whether you have or not, well you can settle that today because I'm telling you God has a plan and a purpose, He's a course for you to follow Even if you don't know Jesus yet, God still has a plan for you to follow. And you want to take that first step. Placing your faith in the Lord Jesus. Asking Him to forgive you of your sin. And follow Him in a consistent Christian life. As He is the King on the throne of your heart. Let's bow together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you now knowing that you have a plan and a purpose. And that you care for us and that you love us. And so we come today submitting ourselves to you and say, Lord, help us to keep you on the center of our heart and the center of our life. 
Father, we, we pray that you may continue to be at work. Even now, Father, as we continue this worship service and sing our song of commitment, may you continue to speak to us on how we might make that so. And if there is someone here who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, maybe somebody listening today, Father, may today be the day of their salvation. We lift up these prayers in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.